1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris Harrington joins us now. Chris, what are we listening to? It's
2: uh, Seven Days by Bob Dylan, about trying to survive seven more days until someone comes home. It's sort of where the Grizzlies are right now with John Morant. Seven days. Is that the story, right?
1: Yeah. Because I think the thing when, we, when you consider last night, and I know that you, you've you written about it as well over at the Taylor Memphian, if you would have just told me Dez and Jaron are going to combine for 69 points, the Grizzlies are going to make 18 threes, I would have thought, hey, man, that might have been a pretty good win. Instead, like the final score was meh. But for the most part, it was just non-competitive. Like I think that was the most disheartening aspect of last night for me.
2: That was, I think, either the fourth or fifth time this season. In your story, that, uh, you wrote J- fourth. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know my column was up, so that's good to know. Yep. Um, it's it's like so. It's the fourth time this year, this season that Dez and Jaron have combined for at least sixty points, and the Grizzlies have still lost the game. Um, and it's just they just don't have the firepower. You know, I mean, not only not only obviously you're at John Rat, you're at lots of other people. We all know about it. But it, this team just doesn't have the juice offensively to, to compete, you know? I mean, De- Desmond Bain is having his best season offensively of his career. Um, Jared Jackson, even though he hit uh, a really rough, like, seven-game stretch in the middle of it, but he's having the best offensive season of his career. And the team is 28th in the league in offense. It's just they got, they got no help. And last night was maybe the biggest illustration of that because at halftime – there wasn't another player on the team who had made more than one basket. Yeah, And by the end of the game, the only other player at double digits was Vince Williams, and it happened on, like, you know, a three-pointer in the final minute when the game was over. They just had no help. And to me, like, that is the
1: actual concern. Like, I'm not obtuse enough to sit there and go, well, Ja's going to make no difference. Like, I acknowledge Ja obviously makes a difference. The concern, though, that I have is, like, how much— how much of a difference can one player make? Because to me, it feels like it's more than just going, you know, man, this team's just one, one guy away.
2: Well, you know, you had John Morant, and then you had Luke Kennard shooting, and, you know, if you get a good version of Marcus Smart, and, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then down the line, like, you're missing Steve Adams and Brandon Clark, who like are enormous helps to your offense. And so to me, I think, I think Ja is going to make a major difference to the team. When you're 28th in offense, adding John Morant means a lot. You know, he doesn't think you fix your defense, but that's not your problem. But I I think, I mean, I, the hope is still, like, you, you get job back, you get a lot better, you're going to run, and you fight your way into the mix. And, you know, in the last week of the season, you got a shot to, like, you know, get into the play-in or whatever. I think that's still the hope. But they're 6-16, six and 16, and they're six games back in the 10. And, like, that's a real hard hill to climb. And that's why I think the rest of the season is Primarily about trying to figure figure these things out, trying to figure out what how, what and how much needs to change going into next season. How can we go into next season with a team that we believe is a top four team in the West? And that's what it's about. But that starts with getting John Morant back and putting him on the floor with this Desmond Dane and this Jaron Jackson, and like figuring out you know the right the right chemistry with those three players, and then you and then you go from there. You know, I, to me, I, it's it's not all or nothing like your job getting them in the playoffs this year. I think the answer to that is probably not probably he can't. You know, they're six and sixteen, but it's about this process of getting back to where you thought you were, where you where you indeed were. You know, a couple of years ago, of a top four level team in the West, a team you think can really do something in the playoffs. It's about the process of getting back to that.
1: Is the are the offensive struggles in your mind? Is it just personnel related?
2: I think it's primarily personnel related, and I think it's so it's so clearly a personnel problem that it's hard to judge the non-personnel components of it. Right? I mean, if you want to get into like scheme and coaching and philosophy and all that, like give give them more to work with, and then let's test it out. I think it's hard to test it out when when you're looking out there, and it's you know you know they closed that game with with ja, with, not ja, with with Jaron and Dez surrounded by like David Roddy, Vince Williams, and John Conchar. All of whom are like a good fifth guy. You know, a scrappy fifth guy who you don't need to score. There three of them out there. And I just think they, they have so few places to go to generate offense with the players they've had on the floor. I have a hard time judging the non-personnel parts of it.
1: Yeah, to me, it's it's like a football team that has such a bad offensive line that I'm not saying that. The scheme, what they're trying to do, the scheme is perfect, and that whatnot. But because you can't block up front, like you, you, the scheme doesn't really, the scheme doesn't really matter. Like it's it's inconsequential, and that's kind of where I am. Right, I'm not saying that like, oh, the Grizzlies are running the best possible system they could, but it's to me, it's just like I, I don't know, I don't even know where you would begin to evaluate evaluate the scheme.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think. Let's get Jai back and then get, you know, you're never going to get, you know, your front court back intact, but let's get Jai, let's get, you know, either Qadar or Smart or both, and then you can you can sort of judge it a little bit better.
1: I think another struggle that I've had is statistically now, this defense is a, yet again, a top-10 defense. I don't know, but like, my eyes don't tell me that it's a top-10 defense, but is that because the offense is so bad that, you know what I mean, like you're, you're not – fairly evaluating the defense? Like, I don't know why, but the eye test is not showing me, like, oh, this is, you know, this is a pretty good defense.
2: Yeah. No, I think it is that. I, I, I think you're having such a, a trouble. I think it's A, you've had such a trouble scoring that, I mean, you're 6-16, six and 16, it's hard to think that anything is going well. And I think, B, they've had such a problem with opponent three-point shooting, and that has been conflated with defense overall. Yeah. You know, your goal is not to, like, you know, not give up. Your goal is not to keep the team from making threes It's to keep the team from scoring overall, however it happens, you know. Also, I think they're – again, I'm not saying you're wrong to say they're a top-ten defense, but I have not looked at that today. And I feel like that's gotten thrown out a bunch in the last week when it hasn't exactly been true. Like, I don't know, maybe they're 10, maybe they're 11, maybe they're 12. If they're 10, they're barely 10. Like, you know, there's been a top-ten defense they've been in the past few years when you're like – Second and fourth and fifth, or whatever, versus you know, floating around between 10, 11, 12, 13 area.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm just looking at defensive rating on uh, pro basketball reference, and they're at 113, which is ninth. But okay, but 113 is a pretty high number for it to be a top 10 defense, you know what I mean? Like, I think that might suggest yeah. that defense in general across the league maybe is not as good this year. or if you want to take the optimistic, maybe shot making is even better
2: this year across the league. Yeah, no, I mean I think offense is definitely at a high rate so far this season. Yeah, uh, except in Memphis.
1: Yes, of course, except for, except here, which is water is wet. Okay, I liked your riddle riddle of the Sphinx. How can a player make a leap while standing still? How would
2: we How would we answer that to the Sphinx? I think that's sort of what Desmond Bain has done. He is not shot better than he has th- than last year in fact it's been slightly worse overall but he's he's basically maintained the same level of effectiveness while doing so much more taking on so much more usage facing so much more defensive attention to me the degree of difficulty of what he's had to do has gotten much much steeper and yet his his his, his shot making has not fallen off and to me, like, you know, the surface shooting numbers are about the same or a little bit worse, but it's been way more impressive in the context of what he's had to do.
1: If you're trying to take the big-picture optimistic view of these, these first 25 games without Ja, it, it, does it all start with Des and Jaren? Because I, I do agree with you. Jaren had a little bit of a lull. For the, I kind of thought, like, I didn't like his body language at that time. I'm also going to sit there and acknowledge, like, I could totally understand being frustrated given where they were at that point. But for the most part, like, I do think that they've answered, you know, they've answered the call. Is that where you would start if you're trying to look
2: at, all right, how this 25 games went? Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I feel generally great about, like, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson being, like, the two sidekicks to my, you know, a sensible star in John Morant. I think what the Grizzlies have going for them is those three players, under contract, all under 25 or 25 and under. If you look at that ringer list that came out last week where people got mad that job was ranked 32nd or whatever, the Grizzlies, what if only two teams had three players in the top 40 of that list? Yeah. They're 6-16, six and 16, and the only other team with three players in the top 40 with Boston. Now I, could, I could debate some of the rankings. Like I think they'd Rudy Gobert way too low, for instance. Um, they, they, Rudy Gobert, there like six or seven spots behind Jared. And like, we watched the basketball game last week, Yeah, but still like, well, that's and, and conservation. Forget, forget,
1: forget just the game that we saw. Cause you could go, well, that was a matchup. Look at his year. He's having.
2: Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you can debate about that, but it is true. They have three really, really good young players. Like I, I think at minimum three top 50 players in the league. Now, one of those has not played a minute. That's kind of the problem, but I still feel great about that. as my core. Like that is what my team is about. It's it's everything else. It's a you got to get those three players back together, and b you got to figure out the rest. But like there are worse places to be. No other six and sixteen team has got John Morant, DeSmond, and Jaron Jackson all under contract for two more years. And so so there's a limit to how bad it gets. Um, I, I think the, the trick is going to be a you know balancing them out when John's back to maximize them. And, you know, you look at Ja and Desmond in terms of offense. I mean, Desmond's got, been used to having both hands on the wheel all season. And so how do you, like, you know, share that a little bit more? And then with Jaron, I, I, Jaron has been good defensively still. And that's part of the reason, that you know, they're around a the top-ten defense. But he has not been what he was the past two seasons on defense. And so I, I think part of that is not having a real center next to him, you know, to, to take some of that rebounding burden. And allow him to sort of, you know, to be like the roving, the roving defender that that he has been the past two seasons. I think that's part of the problem. But I also wonder if he's having he's having to do so much offensively, it's taken away a little bit from the defensive. Um, uh, honestly, I mean, that's from is. my mind. I mean, I
1: do agree with you. The not having Adams or someone that complements what his the weaker part of his defensive skill set. But to me, I just always go to – like, he's having to exert so much energy on the yeah. offensive
2: end. Yeah, and so as good as he can be as a scorer in 41 last night, he had 37 like a week or so ago. As, as much as he's capable of that, I would rather see Jaron be, you know, getting getting 20 and then getting four blocks. I'd rather, ha- I'd rather the 20.4 block game than the 30.1 block game almost. I want to see Jaron really anchor the defense – and be more the third option scoring-wise, really, behind Morant and Bate. I think that's the best recipe for the team. What
1: would you make of the rotational changes from last night? Bismack goes out of the starting lineup. Derrick Rose didn't play much in the second half. I I don't know if that was injury-related. You had mentioned on Twitter might have been Jalen Noel's. It was likely to be Jalen Noel's final home game. What do you kind of make of the, the roster shakeups that the Grizzlies are about to have to go through?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there, and I think some of it is more meaningful than other parts. I think the no- Noel getting the DNP basically in the second half felt like a farewell address a little bit. Yeah, He's got one more he's got one more game left, you know, Wednesday night at Houston on that 10-day. But I, I really, and, I, and from the beginning, I haven't really seen, it didn't seem likely to me they would try to keep him, but it seems even more clear now. I think setting him down and playing Zaire more was, was almost a way of saying, like, let's roll with the guys who are still going to be here is what it felt like to yeah. me. Um, the Derrick Rose thing is just, I just, you know, I've been more of the skeptic than most people in Memphis, I think, on this, that he's had some good moments and good games. I still think overall he's that good anymore. He's like 37 or 36 or whatever, and, I, you know, I think he's a third-string point guard for a reason. So I think that was – I don't think that was injury. I think that was trying to win the game and putting your best players on the floor. Yeah. Um, and in terms of Biombo, I, I think Biombo has come back down to earth. He's come back down to Biombo um, after that first couple of weeks. And so he is naturally more of a 15 minute, a, a game guy, really. It's just, that he's been forced into this bigger role with the Grizzlies. I don't think that is any indication on their interest in keeping him. I think they're almost certainly going to keep him, but I said on the podcast, drew and I did last week, like, you know, Drew said, you know, they're definitely going to keep Biombo. I think he'll stay in the starting, starting lineup all season. And I said, well, I'll beat you halfway. Like I, I, you know, I thought he was likely to to, make, to to still be the starter, and if he went out, I thought it was more likely to be Tillman. But I don't. I just didn't think Bianbo is the kind of player who just locks in a starting a starting role all season. To me, the Grizzlies got three of those guys, and that's John, Des, and Jaren, and everything else is just. I, I think even including Marcus Smart, everything else is sort of up for grabs, game to game, really. Who
1: do you think when when we when we get to the end of the season? Who do you think the big, you know, from the from the moment Ja rejoins, who do you think the big that will play the most alongside Jaron Jackson will be when we look up at the end of the year?
2: That's a good question. I, I think it could be any of the three, really. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think the Santi thing was disappointing last night. I think he's had a disappointing week or two. It's just, you know, this Marco Polo game the Grizzlies have played all season with these guys where – you know, a guy jumps up and has a, has a good week or so, and then it sort of goes back away. Um, I think that's been happening lately with Santi Aldama, which is disappointing because I think he's probably the most talented guy they've had other than, you know, Jaron and Dez. I think I think it would be best for the Grizzlies if the answer to your question was Santi Aldama. Yeah. But I don't, know, I don't know if that will be the case.
1: Is there a case, though, to just roll with it? Like, it does feel like there's a lot of yo-yoing, like – all right. Well, this guy had a good week, so we got we got to get him back. And I understand part of that is because, you know, the games matter. And I do understand there's there's a competitive element. But I do wonder at a certain point, are you better off just saying, "All right, we might take some lumps here, but this is this does maximize us, and this gives us a, a longer look at Santi and Jaren. Like, I do wonder if they get to that point.
2: I think increasingly, as like, especially if like. Postseason contention starts to slip away Wayne, in a more yeah. tangible, tangible manner. I don't think the, I don't think the reaction to that is "quote unquote" tanking this season. I th- I do think the reaction to that is let's play the guys who are still going to be here, you know. Yeah. And, and, and let's, let, let, let's play next season's team. And and I think that means that means playing Santi more than than Tillman, who's going to be free agent, or Bianbo is going to be a free agent. A free agent. And, and that might you know issue issue you know. Around your wing people, that might mean you know you're coalescing around some guys, which for the moment seems to be happening with 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 Vince Williams and Conchar and Roddy. But like y'all know, that could change in two weeks. But I think over time you need to really you know narrow down some of that stuff and maybe even make a trade or two and clear it out a little bit. And so I think that's really you know to, to get back to my sort of overarching thing about this season at this point being as much about next season. I, I think it's. I think I do think it's about that.
1: Do you think maybe they're kind of tipping their hand with Tillman
2: along the same lines? Could be. It's sort of interesting. I. I, I think Tillman has been a so little disappointing, um, coming off the you know the playoffs he had. Um. He is a free agent to be, and and you've got four if you include Adams and Clark for a full fourth man front court rotation under contract next season, that would not include him. Um, they did not give him a contract extension this summer, Tillman, in the way where they could have. I think that was probably a tip off as much as anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think Tillman's future with, with the team is pretty dicey. But he's had a way of, like, you know, being out of the mix and finding himself very in the mix. That's sort of been his pattern.
1: We talked about Vince Williams yesterday. I mean – I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because your your voice is stuck in my head, but like, I'm kind of getting closer and closer. Just saying, why not just roll with it and see what you got? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that, okay? You know, tank, tank, tank. But it's like, it, if he does develop, like that is something that you've been seeking. Like, I almost, I'm almost to the point. It's like, just keep playing him.
2: Oh, I'm I'm all the way there. I I just think the defense and the rebounding are real. You know, he grabbed nine boards last night, which I think probably led the team. Um, he, he played the best defense on Luca. The best defense on Luca still getting scored on by Luca, but it was the best defense on Luca. You it know, did. they to get it a felt roddy like on Luka, him. it. felt like Luca had to try more. That's right. And so I, I think he is—he is the best perimeter defender they have. Any Marcus Martin side, who you know, out of the mix we haven't seen. But of all these young wing players, he is to me clearly the best defensive player. He is clearly the best rebounder. And, like, you know, he's not going to score a lot, but he's knocking down a decent amount of these, you know, open threes as much as anybody else or more than anybody else. I, I see no reason to, 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 to disbelieve his shot more than I disbelieve, like, was William's shot or David Rodney's shot or any of these other dudes. And I know he's going to defend and rebound. And so, yeah, 100% play that dude. I mean, he's shooting
1: 36% on nearly three attempts a game. Like, that's useful to me.
2: Yeah, I don't, you know, we'll see where that sticks. If you sure. look at his entire professional no, it's, career, not, that's why NBA plus G League, yeah. like it's, 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 a, it's a pretty mediocre number, but the sample's pretty small. So, like, you know, keep doing it.
1: Well, and to your point, it's like, I don't know, I'm sure in the, the G League and, you know, other numbers, like he's been taking probably more contested shots. The Grizzlies aren't asking him to be an offensive creator. They're asking him to knock down open threes. Like, and, and to me, yeah, that's a, that's a much different proposition. Uh, did anything else strike you, from, strike you from last
2: night? Um, No, I mean, not that much. I, I, I don't know if it was any player we haven't like, talked about. You know, right? Zion Williams got back in the mix, and they kept running with him in the second half. And I, I don't know that he, like he had some good moments. He had some really, really bad moments. And, like, I don't know. I just, To me, the Zion Williams thing is interesting. I just don't know. If it doesn't get appreciably better, I just don't know how you have a year four, even if it's under contract next year.
1: Half-baked theory. You ready? Yeah. I think they're ramping him up in case – for when ja, – like, his best – I feel like the, the best partner, like, he's going to have is Ja. Like, he's going to play his best when Ja's on the floor. And so my – 100 th- My theory is they're ramping him up for when Ja returns to see. Like, that's kind of like the final exam. If if, if yeah. he shows usefulness there, then maybe you keep him. But if not – like. You are. This isn't a ramping him up to like force feed it. it. I think it's to to have him be ready to go when Ja comes back because like that that's like the most important aspect for him.
2: Yeah, LaRavia well, was active last night for the first time in a long time. Did yeah. not see the floor, but was but was available.
1: Yeah. All right, Chris, we appreciate it. All right, thanks. That is Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian. Again, his.